Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Urban Partners. I'm your host, Tim Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. And in today's show, we're talking about the properties to buy to get the best returns. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about how to measure property investment returns. And we gave you know five different ways from like gross yields, net yields, return on investment, internal rate of return, all of these different ways. And it's got me thinking that the sort of property you buy really depends on how you want to measure the return. So sometimes I see investors argue existing properties in small towns is better. No, big cities is better. No, you've got to buy a new build. No, you should buy a yield-based apartment. And everybody's got these different strategies. But actually, it depends on which types of returns you're talking about. I'll give you an example. So if we think about gross yield, again, that's just the amount of rent you get compared to the purchase price. And if you wanted to get the highest gross yield property, what would you buy, Andrew? Highest gross yield? Uh, apartment, dual key apartment. Yeah, what type of apartment? Dual key, I said. Yeah, yeah. No, I want something even better. Leasehold. If oh, you yeah, only cared about gross yield, and we'll show you the flaws of this in a second, you would buy a leasehold property. Now, remember, that is where you don't own the land and you've got to pay some ground rent. But gross yield doesn't care about your costs. It just cares about the rent and the purchase price. Now, the reason leasehold properties get such a high gross yield is because you can charge a standard market rent because the tenant doesn't give two hoots whether you own the land or not. They're getting use of the apartment. But it is a much, much cheaper property price because you're not buying the land. So I've looked at a three-bed, two-bath apartment in Parnell, and it is like I've just chosen one at random to show you what's possible. And you can buy that. It's a leasehold property for just over $500,000. I don't know anything about that apartment, but 500K for a leasehold apartment seems extremely high in my it view. Does. Now, if you think about what could that property rent for? So just over 500K, there is a, the exact same unit, three floors down, that is being advertised for $910 a week. And so you might think 910 bucks a week, 500K purchase price, that's a 9.1% gross yield. Right. Oh, my God. I'll take two. That sounds really high. And actually, I would say that would be on the low side for a leasehold apartment. I remember we ran some numbers once where I think- 15 14%. Yeah, I think even up to 17% we were looking at, right? So if you care about gross yield, like, yeah, you're going to go buy a leasehold apartment. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing that at all. In fact, I'd suggest that you stay about 5 million kilometers away from the leasehold, <laughs> leasehold apartment. <laughs> Why five million? I've made it up. Yeah. And the reason is because you've got to get a lot of rent compared to the purchase price, but you've also got to pay the ground rent. There's got to be very limited capital growth because you own the property but not the land. And they're extremely difficult to sell. And we've done a lot of shows on this in the past. But I'm trying to show you that the property you buy changes based on how you calculate the property investment returns. So, Andrew, let's come to net yields. If I just cared about the highest net yield, what would I buy? So you might think I'm going to say buy an existing property in a small town, but that's not what I'm going to say because, again, you know, often we'll see high gross yields there, but it doesn't necessarily work out to be a high net yield once you take out your costs. So I'll give you an example. You can buy a property right now for $325,000 in Q in Invercargill, which is one of the highest yielding suburbs in New Zealand. Now, the rent is 425 a week. The gross yield for that property is 6.8%. Really, really good gross yield. But you've got 22K worth of rent coming in. About 10% of that is going to go to rates. The average rates in Invercargill is about $2,300. Now, let's say maintenance is probably about two grand a year for that kind of property. It's an older property. It's another 10% of your rent. And actually, if you think about accounting costs, so 
The accountant doesn't care whether your property's in Invercargill or whether it's in Auckland, right? Or Queenstown. And so that $1,300 a week in in Invercargill where the rents are low but the property prices are low, that can actually make up a large percentage of your rent. So if the gross yield 6.6%, what's the net yield? A 3.6% net yield. So to get a high net yield, you want a really good yielding property. So a multi-unit property, uh, might be four units on one title or a dual-key apartment or student accommodation is another good one. Because those are the sorts of properties that are really geared to highest net yield. Now, again, there are going to be some downsides to those properties as well, that if you're buying a yield property, not going to increase in value quite as much. But if you only care about net yield, that is the sort of property that you are going to buy. Let's come and talk about cash flow now. That's a different way to do it. Cash flow and net yield are quite similar. If you just care about the highest cash flow property possible, then you're going to be looking at a yield property again. Same sort of things that Andrew's going to talk about. But in this case, you're going to want to purchase those properties with as little debt as you possibly can. Because the largest expense you have as a property investor is your mortgage. And it's also one of the big ones that you have most control over. The lower the debt, the lower the mortgage repayment, the lower the interest costs, the higher the cash flow your property is going to be. So if you can buy a high yielding property, something that's multi-units, and you've got low debt, that's where your cash flow is going to be really good. The other thing you can do is do a renovation project. Now, if I take that exact same property that Andrew was talking about in Q in Vicargill, let's say this is probably quite a lot of money to spend on a property that's only worth 325 grand, but let's say you spent 50 grand doing it up, you added an extra bedroom, you chucked a cabin on the back. If you got an extra 150 bucks a week in rent, you might come about 80 to 100 bucks a week better off. But doing a renovation project certainly can improve cash flow as well. Now let's come to the fourth way to measure returns, which is return on investment. Now this includes capital growth over time, it includes cash flow, it includes any potential instant equity and also debt repayments, Andrew. Now if we only care about return on investment, what sort of property are we going to buy? If you're only focused on return on investment, generally speaking, you're going to focus on a new build and it's going to be a growth property. So more focused on capital growth, less on the cash flow. Now the reason is, When you calculate return on investment, we're looking at the capital growth, which is where you make the most money in property investment. And new builds come out on top when looking at return on investment because you get the same amount of capital growth from one property as another property, but you're putting a much lower deposit, almost half of the deposit. So I'll give you a good example of that. Let's say you had two properties, both a million bucks, one's you, one's existing, and property prices go up by 5%. So that's going to be 50k on your new build, 50k on the existing property. Exactly the same. But the big difference is in how much money you had to put in at the start to buy those properties. Now, you guys know, new build property, 20% deposit, 200k. But 50 grand increase in your house value on a 200k deposit is? 25%. 25%. With the existing property, 35% deposit, you had to put in 350k. Now, a 50k return on your 350k deposit is? 14%. Did you do that in your head? In my head, yeah, easy. Mm, Interesting. No, I looked at my sheet. (laughs) (laughs) So 14% return. So 25% return for the new build, 14% return for your existing property. Now, of course, we do need to say, you know, here at Opus Partners, we help people buy new build property. So you might think, well, you're only telling me new builds are the best because you guys recommend new builds. But I'm not saying that new builds are the best New builds often give a higher return on investment, but there are other ways to measure 
returns on an investment property. They're not going to have the highest gross yield properties. If you care about gross yield, you're going to buy a leasehold. They're not going to give necessarily the highest net yield. In that case, you want to buy a yield property. They're not necessarily going to give the highest cash flow. In that case, you either want a yield property or you want an existing property that you're going to renovate. But if you care about return on investment, that's where new builds tend to come out on top because return on investment considers capital growth. The other ones we've talked about so far don't give two hoots about capital growth. And of course, new builds require a lower investment to begin with. And that's why you get that higher return on investment. But not everyone cares about return on investment. So that's something to mention as well. On the other hand, some people really care about instant equity. And that's how they base their decisions, Andrew. So let's say we care about instant equity. What sort of properties are we going to buy? So this is an instance where new builds aren't probably the, the best fit for instant equity. So instant equity is basically, you know, buying a property and creating some equity or, or getting some equity instantly. So I'll give you an example. If you buy a new build and it's off plans, it takes 12 months to, to build, often the market might go up. It's often worth more when it's finished. So therefore you might have made 20 or 30 grand. That's great. But that's not necessarily the best way to create instant equity. The best way would be to buy an existing property, say, million dollars, spend $100,000 on renovating and have that property worth more when it's complete. So say it's worth one and a quarter million dollars. Well, you spent 1.1, but it's worth 1.25. You've made $150,000 because you've actually added value to the property. You don't get that with new builds. And the main thing that I'm trying to get across here is that that is the way that a flipper would measure their returns. They don't give two hoots about gross yield. They don't care about net yield. They don't care about cash flow. They don't really care about return on investment. They care or about capital growth because they're going to flip by the time it's done. They care about instant equity. Whereas if you're a cash flow investor, let's say that you are crossing the finish line, which is what we talk about in our book, Wealth Plan, now available at Paper Plus and Whitcalls, then cash flow is what you care about. You're going to be buying yield properties. And one of the things I always care about is just the arguments that I see between property investors about which strategy is the best. It all comes down to how you measure it about what is your yardstick or what is your measurement of what's a good investment. Because if it's cash flow, you're going to buy one type of property. If it's instant equity, you're going to buy another type of property. If it's return on investment, you're going to buy another property. If it's net yield, you're going to buy a different property again. And that is the one thing that I think a lot of people miss out on. And so just pick your poison. Which way do you want to measure your property returns? That is going to be the way that is going to define what sort of strategy you use and what sort of property you're going to buy. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve Knight. I'm Andrew Nicole. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.